Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. As most of you know, we are in a series called Blessed. And what we're doing is we're studying through Jesus' amazing Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And we're learning, if you really want to be blessed by God, you need to learn to follow what God is saying. And so that's what we're doing. Now, we are now in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is actually starting to talk about how to be blessed financially. He's actually going to talk about money. (laughs) Now, did you know that Jesus talked about money more than anything else? It's crazy. I mean, half of Jesus' parables were about money. I mean, Jesus spoke about money twice as much as he spoke about prayer. In fact, in the Bible, there's about 500 verses that teach you how to pray. But in the Bible, there's over 2,000 verses that talk about money and how to handle your money. Why? Why in the world does Jesus talk about money so much? Well, let me just make real clear. Whenever Jesus talks about money... It's not about money. That's not what really he's talking about. You go, what do you mean? Well, you see, Jesus, whenever he talked about money, he never took an offering, right? I mean, Jesus didn't have this send me to Jerusalem campaign, right? I mean, the fact is, Jesus talked a lot about money, but it was never really about raising money. Why? Because when Jesus talked about money, it was always about our heart. And as we've studied through the Sermon on the Mount, you realize that's what God is really looking for. God is wanting your heart. God doesn't want just some external religion. God wants your heart over and over again. And so if you want to know where your heart is, what is Jesus saying? He just says, just follow the money. Now, we've all heard that phrase before, right? Just follow the money. Yet police, they're investigating a crime. Well, who had the motive to pull off this crime? Just follow the money. Or maybe you go, I can't believe that that business made these decisions. It's going to hurt their employees. Why would they make that decision? Just follow the money. Or why would my congressman vote on that bill like that? Just follow the money, folks. I mean, it's just that simple. Just follow the money. Now, so Jesus talks a whole lot about money, but it's not about money. What is he getting after? Jesus is after your heart. You see, what Jesus is really about is something more important than your pocketbook or your checkbook. Jesus is out for your heart. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross not for your checkbook. He died on the cross for your soul, for your heart. And so Jesus is always after your heart. So what has your heart? Well, I want us to answer some simple questions. At the top of your outline, there's this question about money, and it's this. Why does money appeal to our heart? Why does money seem to always appeal to our heart? I mean, think about it. Even little children have fallen trapped to possessions. I mean, right? As as parents, you go to them and you say, okay, I really am going to teach you how to share. Now, whenever parents teach your kids how to share, do the kids respond, oh, wow, mom and dad, this is awesome. This is a novel idea. Of course I'm going to share. Is that how kids respond? No. They go, no, it's mine. This is mine. Why, you see, even as an early age, we discover something that possessions possess us. And so what happens is, is that we begin to get our heart connected with our possessions. 
I mean, think about it. Even in the United States of America, we are the richest nation in the world. We are. Think about this. There are 6.5 billion people on this planet that have less than you do. 6.5 billion people. And yet, if you ask Americans, do you have enough? They'll go, no, I just need a little bit more. But, but there's 6.5 billion people on this planet that have less than you, but I just need a little bit more. And then you survey them, well, how much more do you need? And on average, what we say is I just need 20% more. If I can just earn 20% more, I'll never need another raise. But you know what? It doesn't matter what economic strata you are on. We all say the same thing. I just need a little bit more, just 20% more. How much is enough? Apparently not enough. You see, here's the deal. Your earning power will never exceed your yearning power. We always want just a little bit more. Why? Because possessions seem to grab our heart. Now, here's the deal. Why? There's two lies that money and possessions feed us in our culture. Number one is this. Jot this down. First, money promises significance. The first promise of money and the things that money can buy is significance. If you can get that new car, if you can buy that larger house, if you can get those stylish clothes, then what? You'll be important. People will like you. You will have success. I mean, think of it this way. What if I said this morning, rather than our normal meeting and greeting time, that I said, hey, you know what? We're going to really get to know each other better today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them how much they brought home last year. How much they made last year. And then after that, go ahead and share, you know, your, your, your medical um, packages and your, your, all your income that way. And, hey, while you're at it, go ahead and share each other's checkbooks and peruse how everybody's spending. And now, if I ask you to do that, you go, whoa. I feel a little uncomfortable with that, right? We would. If you're a guest here today, you go, I ain't going back to that church. They're crazy, right? Yeah. But can I be honest with you? We really want to know. We do. In fact, check out what this guy said. Dr. Lee Stalk, professor of psychology at the New York Cornell Medical Center, he said this, quote, people jockey to find out what other people earn. Why? Because in our society, money is a symbol of strength, influence, and power. Money promises significance. It's a lie, but that's what it promises. Second thing that money promises is this. Jot this on your outline. Money promises happiness. Money promises you happiness. If I get that newer car, if I get that bigger house, if I get those nicer wardrobe, then I'll be happy, right? Now, we all know that money can't buy you happiness, but we think we're the exception to the rule. I mean, we, we, we would be happy if we had more stuff. Now, again, think about this. We're the, in the United States of America, we're the wealthiest nation in the world. What does that mean? That means that we have the highest per capita income of households, any other country in the world. We have greater access to education, home ownership, car ownership, and food, more than any other nation in the world. So since we are the richest in the world, therefore, we ought to be the happiest nation in the world, right? Only makes sense. And yet Gallup poll did a survey of nations, and this is what they discovered, that we, the United States of America, are the 33rd happiest nation in the world on their happiness scale. And then they discovered that seven out of the top 10 happiest nations are third world countries. Countries that virtually have nothing. Why? Because your happiness is not connected to your stuff. It never is. It never will be. Now, I could give you thousands of illustrations of this. But several years back, I came across the autobiography of this guy right here, Dion Sanders. 
Most of you that are NFL fans, you know that he's a you know, Hall of Fame football player. He's an analyst for you know, the NFL Network. But he tells in his autobiography that whenever he signed his huge contract for the 49ers, he had more money than he ever could imagine. In fact, rappers wrote songs about Deion Sanders, about all his stuff, his exploits. He was known as primetime, right? Well, during that time, with all this money, was he happy? No. Listen to what he wrote. He says this. I remember sitting at the back of the practice field in Santa Clara one day, tears streaming down my face, thinking, this is so meaningless. I'm so unhappy. I'm just not happy. So I went out and bought myself a $275,000 Lamborghini. And I hadn't driven it a mile before I realized, no, that's not it. (laughs) There's got to be something else. The pain was horrible, inconceivable, because I had achieved everything that I could ever think of, but I was always right back where I started. Empty, empty, empty. So what did he do? Well, he climbed into a symbol of all his wealth, a Mercedes sedan, drove out of his driveway, drove down the road, and drove over a cliff in a suicide attempt. We'll get back to him in just a little bit. But the point is, money and the things that money buys will not make you happy. It won't. And so in the passage that we're going to study today, Jesus confronts the idol of our age, the idol of materialism in America. He confronts it, and he confronts the two lies that we so often fall into in our culture. And so let's look at the text again. Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 19. Look at what God's word says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, from that text, what I want us to do as we study it today, I want us to pull out of there three simple questions that Jesus asked us. And how you answer these three questions will determine where your heart is. And so, what are the three questions? I want you to answer them. Be honest with yourself. First question is this. Number one question is this. Where is your treasure? Where's your treasure? Where are the assets of your life? Where are the things that you treasure the most? Are they here on this earth? Are they in heaven? What Jesus is going to say is Jesus is going to say, you better have your treasures in heaven. In fact, check it out. Jot this down. Here's two reasons why you need to have treasures in heaven. First of all, because earthly treasures are going to disappear. All your earthly treasures are going to what? They're going to fade up. They're going to fade away. They're temporary. They're going to disappear. Look again, verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Circle that. Circle where moth and rust destroy. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, everything you own is temporary. Everything you've got is going to fall apart. It's going to decay. It's going to rust. It's going to one day be obsolete. I mean, think about it. You go to any marina in this world, and are people there happy with their boats? No. Do you know why? Because something broke on that boat that morning. That's why. 
the generator just went out, or the starter doesn't work. And it's not just boats. It doesn't matter. You own stuff. The more stuff you own, the more it's going to break. It's going to, you know, age. It's going to become obsolete. You go to any garage sale, you see that. You go to any dump, it's the same thing. This, um, this past year, I bought myself a new flat screen TV. Now, there's nothing wrong with my other big TV that I had, with the big tube one, you know? And so I, um, I decided, okay, you know what? Got the new flat screen. I'm going to take my old TV, and I'm going to donate it to Goodwill. So I hauled it up, went to Goodwill, and they go, we don't take those things. I'm going to go, what? I mean, it works perfect. No, nobody wants that old stuff. Why? It's obsolete, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, think about this. Here's my phone. It's an iPhone. Did you know this week iPhone celebrated its 10th anniversary? Do you know how many new iPhone versions have come out in the last decade? Eight. So what does that mean? That means typically a year after you buy your phone, it's obsolete. I mean, what's amazing is my wife Susan, she found my very first cell phone. This is it. I love this Star Trek phone. This was so cool. I loved them. This was top-notch technology, folks, just a few years ago, wasn't it? It's now all obsolete. Everything you buy, everything you get, it's going to wear out. It's going to become obsolete. Not that long. Jesus says it's all temporary, right? And yet what do we do? We hang on to it. I've got to have it. I've got I to possess it. I've got to get more stuff, right? That's what we think. In a lot of ways, we're a lot like that television show, Hoarders. Have you ever seen that show? It's, it's on A&E. It's horrors. I've never made it through an entire episode because it's just, just disgusting, I'll be honest with you, right? I mean, you, you see these guys right there in the picture? I mean, you know what? Whenever you think of people that live with boxes and papers and stuff stacked up to the ceiling, what do we do? We look at those people and go, they have a mental problem, right? These guys are crazy, right? And it's true. They are. I mean, the fact is, is that you, you find these people that live in their trailer with 30 cats. You go, ah, this is disgusting. That's nuts, Right? And it is. But what we do as a culture, we can promote and say, okay, you've got all this money and you can spend it selfishly on you and your self-indulgent lifestyle. What are we going to do? We're going to give them a television show and put them on the cover of Forbes magazine like, you know, the Kardashians and hold them up as a role model and go, oh, this is our society. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus points to that and goes, that's crazy. That's crazy. Why? Because everything they're living for is temporary. Second thing Jesus says, hey, you know, not only is your stuff temporary on earth, but jot down the second point. Heavenly treasure is what's going to last. Heavenly treasure is what's really going to be secure. It's going to be the thing that's really going to last. Look again what he says, verse 20. Jesus said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now you may go, how do you get treasures in heaven? I mean, is it sort of like the old pharaohs in Egypt where, you know, you die and you get mummified and you put all your stuff in a, you know, in a tomb with you? Is that what you do? I mean, you may have heard the story. There was this guy who was dying. He comes to his wife and he hands her $20,000 cash and says, when I die, I want you to put this in the casket so I'll have something on the other side. She says, okay, I promise. You know what she did when he died? She deposited that $20,000, wrote a check put it in the, in the casket with him. <laughs> Why? Because we all know you can't take it with you. You can't. And so, okay, how do you have treasure in heaven? Well, you have to go through an exchange. You exchange earthly treasure for heavenly treasure. 
It's like this. Most of you have done this before. If you've ever gone out of the country, you take your American greenback cash, right? And then you, wherever you're going, you exchange it for the currency of wherever country you're going to. I remember whenever I went to India, okay, I had to exchange this U.S. currency for rupees. And then whenever you come back to the United States, you exchange your rupees back into, you know, U.S. cash. Now, see, I've got here 10 rupees. You go, how much is that worth? That worth like $10? No, it's 16 cents. That's all this thing is worth. But you see, the point is, is that you've got to do the same thing with your earthly treasures. You go, in what way? Well, whenever you give to God's kingdom... Whenever you tithe your offerings, what have you done? You said, God, I'm taking my earthly treasure and I'm sending it on ahead. I'm giving it to your kingdom. And God exchanges it. Do you know what? Whenever you take care of the poor, the Bible says that when you take care of the poor, you're loaning to God. It's, it's suddenly heavenly treasure. The Bible says that whenever you look out for widows and orphans and take care of them in their times of need, that, that becomes immediately heavenly treasure. But it's not just our wealth, our finances. You can take your time, your energy, your talents, and whenever you use that, like many people did this week at Vacation Bible School, and you use that for heavenly kingdom purposes, God says, I take all of that and I translate it into heavenly treasure. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. In fact, jot down that principle. Jesus says this, your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. You see, why are we talking about stuff? Why are we talking about money? It's very simple because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what Jesus says. Look at it again. Verse 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I've got to confess to you, for a number of years, I misinterpreted and understood that verse, that phrase of Jesus. I actually had it backwards. I would say something like this. I'd say, okay, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Right? If you've got a heart for missions, then you'll give to missions. If you have a heart for orphans, then you'll give to orphans. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, it's actually backwards. You see, your heart is going to be where your treasure's at. So let's just say that your treasure is in your retirement account. It's a 401k. That's where your treasure is. And so what's going to happen? Your heart's going to follow the Dow Jones Industrial. And every time the Dow goes up, you're happy. Whenever it goes down, you get sad. Why? Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I mean, let me put it to you like this. Let's just say that you bought 50 shares of Disney stock. It's about $5,000, 50 shares. Okay, what happens? Suddenly, when you do that, Disney becomes your company. And you see Disney everywhere. You see the Disney logo. You see the Disney commercials. Oh, it's a Disney cruise. Look at that. And you, know, you know, basically see mouse ears everywhere. And what happens when, whenever, you know, the new Disney movie comes out? You're going to go watch it twice. Why? Because that's your company. you got stock in it. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, wherever your treasure is, boom, that's where your heart is. Can I tell you something? Whenever you put your treasure in heaven, Jesus says, boom, suddenly your heart's in heaven. That, that's what happened. Your, your heart follows your treasure. So, first question is, where's your treasure? Second question Jesus asks us is this. What has your attention? What has your attention? I mean, what are you focused on? What are you really seeking after? Look at how he says this, verse 22. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. That's an important phrase. So, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. 
But if your eye's bad, your whole body's full of darkness. If then the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now you may go, that's a real confusing verse. What does that mean? Well, it's real simple. In your outline, circle one phrase. Circle, I is bad. You go, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying that your eyes are literally the window into your soul. And so where, whatever you focus your attention, your eyes on, whatever it is on, that is going to eventually be what you think about and be what you love, right? I mean, that's why we in America are so materialistic. Hear this. In America, an average American, you will in your lifetime have watched four years of commercials, You know what a commercial is? A commercial is a 30-second propaganda piece to convince you that you're not happy with what you got. You need a little bit more. You know what? You're not happy with those clothes. You're not happy with those eyeglasses. You're not happy with that flooring, but you need new windows for your house. Whatever it is, you need to rush out there and go buy some stuff because what you got is obviously not making you happy. And you've got an entire industry, a marketing industry, designed to make you discontent with what you have. And the more you listen to their lies and watch their advertisement, what's going to happen? The darker and darker your heart's going to become. That's why we taught our children that, remember a little simple song, remember this? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why? Because what you focus your eyes on, that is going to capture your heart, which is the principle. Jot this on your outline. What's caught your eye has caught your heart. Think about it. What has caught your eye has captured your heart. Now, we actually use that phrase, don't we? Well, I saw that dress, and it really caught my eye. Or, man, did you see that car? Man, it really caught my eye. Or you go over to somebody's house and suddenly you come home and you're all discontented and you're like, oh my goodness, did you see such and such that they got? And we don't have anything like that. It caught my eye and now suddenly you're not content with what you have. And you know what? This plays out in a lot of different ways, but the primary way it plays out is impulse buying. You see it, you want it, you buy it. Let me give you an illustration of this. I want you to see a um, video clip from the movie Confessions of a Shopaholic. And you got this lady who knows she's got issues. She needs to learn to curb her appetite and her spending. But in the scene that we're going to see, she is trying to convince herself not to buy things. But there she is in line waiting at this clothing sale. Check out this scene. At every point, I will ask, do I need this? There's another entrance this way! Well, these cashmere gloves I need, as it is winter, and I have hands. So, that's all. I'll buy these and these alone. Now walk away. Strong and frugal. <gasps> oh my god! Sochi boots! 50% off! Whew. Do I need these? Do I need these? Do I need these? No. 
Jenny Pritchy Boots! Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I had him first. I know, but you put them down. No, I know I did, but I, I saw him first, so I'm going to take him. Yes, but, but then you took your hands off. Give me the boots, and no one gets hurt. Get me! Get me the boots! I want him! And there she is, sad. Why? Because, listen, what has caught your eye captures your heart. Now, we can all laugh at a lady spending too much money, but you know what? It applies to every other area of our lives as well. You can go to a large job work site. You've got a bunch of men there working, and then suddenly a young lady comes walking by, and what happens? The work stops, and all the men look and stare at the woman as she walks by. You see, their eyes reveal their heart, doesn't it? It could be just about anything in your life. It could be food. I mean, as most of you know, this past year, I lost over 40 pounds. And I've discovered something. It's harder to keep it off than it is to lose it. It is. And you know, I've discovered something else. I just can't look at certain things anymore. I mean, I love that PBS British baking show. Man, it's just a really cool show. I love watching it, but I've discovered something whenever I'm watching that British baking show that halfway through it, I'm going, man, this is such a great show. I love this show. I'm feeding my face. Why? Because if something has caught your eye, it has captured your heart. I mean, it's just that principle. You can apply it to porn. You can apply it to food. You can apply it to buying stuff. Whatever has got your eye It's got your heart. It can be real. It can be a magazine. What has got your heart? So you've got to make a decision. You literally have an entire industry, four years of your life of propaganda telling you, you don't have enough. And you've got to make a choice. I ain't going to watch it. I ain't going to believe it. I'm going to turn my eye away. Now listen, the only way you'll ever turn your eye away is if you'll focus on something else, which leads to the third point. Jot this on your outline. Who has your devotion? Who has your devotion? Who has your allegiance? Who is your master? Who are you really serving? That's what this is all about. Who's got your heart? Check it out. Verse 24. Jesus says this. For no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, in our heart, we think that we can. Why? Because we're double-minded. And our culture is so double-minded. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can love Jesus, and I can love my stuff and materialism at the same time. And Jesus said, you can't do it. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says this. He says, our hearts have room only for one all-encompassing devotion, and we can only cleave to one Lord. And so my question is very simple. Who is your treasure? Who's got your attention? Who's got your heart? Is it the almighty dollar or is it almighty God? Is it your stuff or is it your savior, Jesus Christ? Now look, as Christians, especially in America, we're so materialistic, we can talk a good talk. We can say, oh yeah, yeah, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, look at your checkbook. What does it really say? Who do you really love? Really, be honest with yourself. Because you can't fool yourself. Just follow the money. See, here's the bottom line. Jot down this principle. On your outline, whoever you love is who you're going to serve. Whoever you love is who you're going to serve. 
That's why Jesus talked so much about money. Because it wasn't about money, but it was about what? It's who's got your heart? Who's your Lord? Who are you really going to serve? Check it out. That's what it's all about. Look again at verse 24. Notice the heart language Jesus uses here. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. That's heart language. Or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This past week I received an email that had a link to the Huffington Post article. It's called The Crisis of American Consumerism, written by this guy, Professor El Zanti of George Washington University. And he basically says that we as an American society continue to spiral downward in our desire for more and more stuff and our consumerism is out of control like no other nation in the world we're, we're it now what's amazing is this guy's not a christian but notice what he says the the solution is look at his quote he says this consumerism will not just magically disappear from its central place in our culture no it needs to be supplanted by something i say someone you see, here's the deal. If you're going to stop your appetite for more stuff, then you've got to have a greater appetite for Jesus Christ. If, if you're going to break your addiction from possessions, then you've got to become more addicted to Jesus Christ. If you're going to, you know, supplant the love that you have for money, then you've got to be more in love with Jesus Christ. Because Christ alone can satisfy the deep longing that you have in your soul. It's Christ alone. He's got to have your heart. So let's end by telling the rest of the story of Deion Sanders. Last time we left him, he was trying to commit suicide in his Mercedes-Benz as he drove over a cliff. Obviously, he survived. Police took him to the hospital. After he got out of the hospital, the next week, there was a fellow NFL player named Mark Logan who took him to breakfast. And Dion wrote in his autobiography that for four hours, Mark Logan talk to him about Jesus. He says, what you're looking for is Jesus. The only thing that's going to satisfy is Jesus. And he goes, Dion, do you really know Jesus? I know you're religious. Do you know Jesus? Has Jesus become the Lord and treasure of your life? Jesus is what you need. Well, that night, Dion Sanders went home. He couldn't sleep. He got out of bed, and he opened up his Bible, and he looked at a passage that Mark had told him about. It's this passage, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Deion Sanders says, in that moment, I got on my face before God. I cried out to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, take control of my life. I'm surrendering to you as my Lord and Savior. And he said, at that moment, something in my life started changing from the inside out. I'll let him tell you the rest of the story. He says this. I tried everything money could buy, but there was no peace. It was like the Bible says, it's like chasing after the wind. Nothing could satisfy the emptiness deep down inside of me except Jesus Christ. That's it, folks. And it's the same for you. If you really want to find satisfaction, you know what you need more of? You need more of Jesus. That's the only thing. He's the only one that will satisfy what we keep searching for in this culture. It's Jesus Christ. You know it to be true. Look, money can buy you a bed, 
but it cannot give you rest. Money, you know what, can buy you a book, but it's not going to give you wisdom. Money can buy you a house, but it will not make it a home. Money can buy you drugs and medicine, but it will not give you health. Money can buy you amusement, but it will not give you joy and happiness, such as what you're looking for. See, what you need is not more stuff, more money. What you need is more of Jesus. Jesus Christ, more of Jesus, is what's really going to satisfy you. You don't need more money. You need more of Jesus. In fact, do this. Turn to the person next to you and just say, you don't need more money. You need more of Jesus. Say that right now. You don't need more money. You need more of Jesus. Now, that was hard to say, wasn't it? Because you know it's true. Can I tell you something? More money's not keeping your kids off of drugs. More Jesus will. More money is not going to make your marriage any better. More of Jesus will. More money is not going to satisfy the deep longing of your soul, but more of Jesus will. You need more of Jesus. Make him your treasure. Give him your attention. Call on him to be your Lord. Give him your whole heart. That's the only way you'll find satisfaction. And so here's the simple question. Who's got your heart? Jesus said, all you got to do is follow the money. That'll tell you. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.